it's strange that we have titles that include GIS and departments that include GIS because it's not what we do. It's the tool that we use. You don't hear of any organization having a spreadsheet department. So why do we have a GIS department? This podcast is brought to you by the team at Esri Australia. To get your hands on more short, sharp and immediately useful resources, head to the Esri Australia website and search for Goldmine. Welcome to the GIS Directions podcast. I'm Wayne Lee Archer. I'm Riley McGlusky. And today we're in for another treat. Uh, we're going to be talking to Esri's Community Evangelist. We get all of the greatest job titles here on this podcast, don't we? <laughs> we're going to be talking to Adam Carnell. Now, he's a man whose job description is literally helping users around the world power up the organizational value of their GIS in their environments. So welcome along, Adam. Thank you very much. Great to be here. I'm sure, Adam, you'll have a lot of really interesting tips for us today. I'm very excited to be speaking with you. Adam, what does a community evangelist exactly do? Actually, it's patterned after a technology evangelist, which started in the 80s in Apple. And one of the best known that came out of that group was Guy Kawasaki. So if you want to learn more about evangelism, you can check him out online at guykawasaki.com. But mainly, I'm here to inspire the user community to do more with the technology, to be agents of change and change their organizations for the better, to deliver more value and just do more than just their job to actually become leaders and change their organization for the better. So what do you think is the biggest blocker when it comes to actively trying to incite some change within an organization when it comes to GIS? I think one of the biggest hurdles is the term GIS. Um, I think it's limiting. It's strange that we have titles that include GIS and departments that include GIS because it's not what we do, it's the tool that we use. And so you don't hear of any organization having a spreadsheet department. So why do we have a GIS department? So I think we should first look at rebranding ourselves and our departments to more adequately describe what we do and the value we can bring. I prefer the term location intelligence. And so just doing that will get people to quit thinking that all we do is make maps. Something we discuss quite regularly here is how GIS sits within like an ecosystem of technology and Historically, you know, a GIS analyst has just been considered like a map maker. But yep. now, you know, we're coders, we're app makers, we're storytellers, we're statisticians, we're asset managers. And in the case of Wayne Lee Archer, we're, you know, a human <laughs> firewall pretty much at this stage. So we're really limiting ourselves or underselling ourselves by calling ourselves GIS analysts. But I think it's quite, quite an interesting concept. And I don't even know what I would call myself at this stage if I had to change things up. One of the challenges that I've sort of noticed is that whilst we talk about you need to have an organization that's willing to adopt change or that's willing to investigate and to, to challenge themselves for this kind of uh, increase in visibility for GIS to really work, it seems fairly ephemeral. It doesn't seem like there's, there's uh, actually any real roadmap to achieving this. And what I've noticed is that we've got somebody in our midst here today, Riley, that's actually got a bit of secret special source behind this. Yeah, Adam, <laughs> you've you've written a number of articles on going from a GIS manager to a GIS leader, and you highlight the notion of shifting the conversation from technology to capability. And you've introduced a theory of the five pillars of location intelligence. I need to give credit where credit is due, and that credit is Esri Canada. So the five pillars of location intelligence comes to us from a report that Esri Canada released last year. 
I believe it's one of the most impactful documents I've ever seen in my career. And I've been doing this over 25 years. It really nails it as far as switching the focus from technology to capability, that capability being location intelligence. They surveyed 200 organizations across Canada and all industries. They did have 500 or more employees. And then they distilled out which of these organizations were most successful with the capability of location intelligence enabled by GIS. And then they divided those best practices up into these five pillars of location intelligence, which are strategy, organization, technology and data, culture and literacy. How do we bring that to an organization? I mean, this is this sounds like voodoo or magic, like <laughs> five actual actionable things that we can tend to help raise the awareness about GIS in our organization. So what are those pillars again? How do we how do we hit on those? And where do we start? I'll tell you where to start. So they are <laughs> there again, their strategy, organization, technology and data, culture and literacy. What you do to implement a technology is very different than what you do to implement a new capability like location intelligence. If you want to get started, the number one place, um, I would say, is a strategy. Because my research shows, and I've surveyed over 800 GIS professionals across the United States over the last couple of years, and over 64% of those organizations that have GIS don't have a strategy. Yeah, wow. And McKinsey and company has shown that Strategy is the number one reason you're successful with data and analytics and the number one challenge to being successful with data and analytics. So 64% of the organizations using GIS out there don't have a strategy. That's a problem. Wow. When we're talking about a strategy, we're talking about a, a GIS roadmap, a GIS uh, you know, implementation plan for your organization. Is, is that where we start off with these things? Actually, it's different than that. The terms that I'm talking about, a geospatial strategy, I'm talking about a business-oriented plan. It's not technology-oriented at all. It's focused on the business. The idea is that we want to help the business overcome challenges and improve results. So we have to first look at what are the goals of the organization, mm -hmm. what are the challenges to meeting those goals, and then we help overcome those challenges with GIS solutions. And if you do that, you then deliver business value. So that's what the strategy is all about. It's not a document that's full of server maps and, and system architecture diagrams that sits on the shelf. It's a way of doing business every day. So speaking to those stakeholders and what their business's challenges are. Exactly. So, you know, the first thing is the goals. So we need to go to find the people that are in charge of meeting those goals, talk to them, find out what their challenges are. Then we go back, find out how ways that GIS can help overcome those challenges, propose those, implement those. And if you deliver, that equals business value. Yeah. Wow. So what's the most profound example of this sort of change that you've ever witnessed or experienced? There's a number of them that I've seen over the years. Um, there's a brand new case study we just released that's really amazing. One of the best I've ever heard. And it's in Bonneville County, Idaho. So up in the northwest portion of the U.S. It's a county of about 115,000 people. So not too large. And they had one GIS professional in 2015. And they're very susceptible to wildfires. And so she engaged with Esri for fighting wildfires. And sure enough, not long after that, they got hit by wildfires. And they were able to respond better than ever because those solutions replaced manual paper-based workflows. She did some more really good value, business value applications. And within two to three years, they hired four more full-time GIS professionals. So 
we all know that one of the hardest things to do is to get executives to hire full-time employees. So she was able to not just hire one, but to hire four more. So great, great story. And that's ahead of a crisis as well. So, you know, we, we know yep. that, um, you know, organizations can be very reactive and, and react in the midst of a crisis, but that's preemptive. That's uh, being able to propose that strategy ahead of time. I think that's that's really pretty powerful. And it speaks in a special space, obviously, because uh, Australia have experienced this with, with bushfires as well. What concerns me a little bit, though, Riley, and, and you're going to have to hold me back here because we've talked about this before, is I'm the tech geek. I'm, I'm the guy who gets buried down in the weeds, who loves to talk about the technology. And I think what I'm hearing here is that perhaps this is a, one of the challenges that we need to overcome as an industry is that it's not all about the tech and it's not all about the technology. And I suppose this raises another question that I know that you've talked about in the past, Adam, and it's about the rebranding or, you know, the reimagining of GIS. A GIS makeover, I've heard you use that term before. What does a GIS makeover mean? What are we talking about? So if you're going to rebrand it, there's a few different terms out there. I prefer, you know, enterprise location intelligence. I like the term location intelligence because it's simple and it's hard to get confused. If you use any word with geo in it, at least here in the States, it quickly gets confused between geology, geometry, and geography. And if you use spatial, people are thinking you're into astronomy and outer space. So I like to use very simple terms that I can stop anybody on the sidewalk and easily get them to understand. And if you use location intelligence, those are words that people can't get confused with. And the other reason I like it is because it aligns with business intelligence, with which most people know what BI is. And if you think about GIS, it's really just a subset of BI. It's just we use spatial data. So if you term it as location intelligence, I think that's the best brand I've seen. I've seen other good ones, though. There's a great one from Canada where they termed it as data analytics and visualization services. I really like that one too, but it is a bit of a mouthful. Yeah, that's awesome. And so this has got me a bit concerned now, Adam. Uh, you know, you've talked about not necessarily just talking about the technology, about, you know, ascending past that map maker uh, mentality. I think it's been maybe a year, possibly even longer since I've made an actual map in my career here. And now I've been working with Esri Australia alone for 12 odd years. And the last 12 months, my life's been spent doing things that might be called DevOps or might be called systems uh, architecture or existing in that space of security and network infrastructure. Has GIS ascended beyond what we typically think of when we say the word GIS? And the fact that I haven't made a map in the last 12 months, does that mean I'm no longer a part of the cool team? I'm no longer part of the gang and I'm not doing GIS anymore? No, you're still doing GIS. Once I figured out several years ago that we had to bust out of this map maker image, I quit telling people I make maps. And the one that I came up with is I help people make better decisions with the power of location. It's very easy to say, and it's very easy to remember, and everybody understands it. And most people will start to ask you more questions about how you can help them make better decisions with the power of location. And so that's one thing there. But we do a lot of different things, and 
GIS covers a lot of different areas. And I think one of the other things that we need to be aware of is that we're IT professionals. I think too many GIS professionals tend to say, we're not IT, that's those people over there, and we don't ever want to be like them, and we just want them to maintain our servers for us. But I think we need to embrace being an IT professional, and I need, think we need to hold a hand out and try to be part of that community a little bit more, because then the stuff that you're doing will be much more accepted as part of their world as well. Maybe it's time to rename our industry. We thought we might throw it out to our audience and to you, Adam, uh, before we leave today and get people to maybe respond back on on LinkedIn and the other socials where we, we have the ability to comment. Is it time to call GIS something else? Have we reached the point where it's spelt spatial, not special? And if so, what would you call GIS? What's your term for GIS? So I've heard location intelligence, and I think I'm going to hang my hat on that one. Is that your pick, Adam? Yes, and I, I really like when you drop enterprise in front of it. So enterprise location intelligence, if I was in charge of that technology and that capability in an organization, that's what I would name my department. Um, so I, I'm sticking with ELI, yep. Sounds good. And I like it. I like the addition of the, the extra E in front of it, ELI, Enterprise Location Intelligence. We will throw the, the final question out there for you, Adam. This is uh, one of those questions we like to throw at our interviewees. When was the last time you cleared your GP history? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. I can't even fathom as to when that would be. Um, had to be at least two to three years ago. So don't beat yourself up, Adam. I have a friend who literally never cleared their GP history. It's just one of those things that's quite easy to forget. Excellent. Well, thanks for your time there, Adam. Today, I really think that we've got some actionable things that we can do to help raise the profile of enterprise location intelligence within our organization. So thanks for joining us, Adam. You're certainly welcome. And thanks so much for having me. And um, I'm happy to connect with anybody anywhere. And I'd love to expand my network to those folks down in Australia. So please connect with me on Twitter and LinkedIn. And I'd love to hear your stories, tell your stories and help you any way I can. So Adam's provided some great actionable tips for getting the wider business buy-in for your GIS projects. And we've put a heap of his resources on the website just to get you started, including some of Adam's blog posts and articles. So just head to the gisdirectionspodcast.com.au. Thanks for joining us, Adam. Thanks again. Happy mapping. Bye, guys. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of the hosts and guests and do not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Esri Australia.